Welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was, of course, The Zombies and She's Not There. That's because I've got the pleasure and privilege to speak to Hugh Grundy here today, original founding member and drummer for The Zombies in that classic period in the 60s. And I'll be here today to speak to Hugh about that wonderful time, as well as the number of uh, reformations that he's done with The Zombies in more recent years, as well as their very imminent festival. So let's hear my chat with Hugh. Anybody there? There is. Hello, Hugh. Hello there. <laughs> yes, good morning for yourself. How are you? I'm great. And um, first of all, you're coming over to your, your hometown, St Albans, next weekend for the uh, Zombies Begin Here Festival. Tell us about that, because there seems a lot going on and you're heavily involved. Well, I think I probably would be heavily involved as being um, one of the, the uh, old doyens, one of the originals. Yes, I'm flying in on the 9th. I'm staying with my daughter. And then coming up to St Albans on the 10th, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, it really is a zombies weekend in St Albans. There's a lot of stuff going on. It is all listed. I can't say I've all got it all in my head. But there's um, an acoustic performance by Rod and Colin. There's uh, little scenarios going on. Chris is doing a, a little chat. Steve and I will be doing a little drum clinic, as it were. So I'm really looking forward to that. That should be really good. 
And it's a great time for the zombies, and you seem bigger than ever, and there's so much going on. It never, do you know what? It never ceases to amaze me um, how much has happened in these last few years. I mean, say about 30, 40 years ago, I would have, could never have written the script that it's turned out to be. And I mean, how absolutely magical, really. I think it finally means that um, perhaps the more discerning and young people, discerning young people have uh, caught up with our music. And I think we were somewhat overlooked back in the 60s, especially towards the end of our time when we were deciding to call it a day. Never ceased to amaze me. I mean, starting off with uh, gigs around England, two or three we did, and then we did the Shepherd's Bush Empire and the um, Hammersmith's Apollo. And then, of course, it really started exploding. We started doing tours around. The, the boys had already done tours around America, and we just came up with the idea one day, wouldn't it be lovely if we could possibly recreate Odyssey and Oracle in its entirety? And uh, we all thought, wow, that's quite a tall order. But we all went round to Rod's house one day, and we sat round the piano. And um, me, I had nothing to do, actually, it so happens. <laughs> But um, the rest of them started singing the songs, and it was like we'd like never been away. It was um, it was absolutely magical. We thought, yeah, we've really got something here. And of course, then we pulled in some special people to help us yeah. perform those shows. And uh, I, I don't know whether you ever saw one, but um, a number of times, great. Just it was the time of my life. You know, I was old enough, but still young enough yeah. to take it on board without um, you know too much stress physically. I know the boys have had a bit of a few problems this last time and um, I shall catch up with them and, um, you know, talk as rather older chaps do. You know, we talk about our ailments and <laughs> I'm sure that happened. When the, the zombies were signed after being around for a few years, it, it seemed that acceleration once She's Not There was issued. Big hit here in the UK, but even more so in the States. Did it feel that fast to you? Do you know what? I don't know about fast. It seemed to come... A bit of a sudden, but I think in our youthful naivety, we thought that we'd gone and made some recordings. We'd well, we'd won the original competition, which put us on the road. We'd done some demo recordings, and then we went to Decker and um, did "She's Not There" and a few, quite a few other songs. And um, I think we all thought at the time, "Well, that's just going to be a hit." <laughs> and there it was on jukebox jury, and dear old George Harrison said, "Yeah, like that song. That sounds really good." So bless his heart, and I think that put it on its on its way, and um, as it as it were, the rest is history. And the zombies, including the, those first few hits, whether it's she's not there and, and tell her no, mm. there's something very very different that set apart the zombies, and the time signatures of the zombies were more jazzier and much more varied and sophisticated than your peers, don't you think? I think we were really in a different line to the regular type of pop songs that were going around at the time. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'll put that down 90%, maybe 80% to Rod. <laughs> I mean, his introduction to music, his love of choral music and classical music in his early part of his life, and obviously that played a huge amount of uh, in his the way he composed music, the way he saw it, and, of course, his skill and excellence on the keyboard. I mean, he was using chords and stuff in places that nobody had ever heard of. But I think what happened was that it excited us or it excited us to come up with something sort of different. And, um, and that's really what happened. It was just something different. 
And if she should tell you, come closer And if she tempts you with a charms Tell her no, no you had a, a number of years where you didn't get as, as many sort of major hits especially here in in the UK and, and the US but in other parts of the world and because there was still some great singles in in that period like Indication again that driving beat were you aware of that success in other parts or is that something that you learned subsequently? I think we we learned that subsequently I think you're right we learned that subsequently I mean yes you picked Indication there it's one of my favourites by then obviously I was a self-taught drummer at the time and um, and I was listening to everybody and seeing as many people as I could and taking influence from all of them. And that sort of time of that sort of recording, I think I was beginning to really get the hang of the drums, really, and developing my own style. In other words, I would see a drummer and like a particular thing he did, and I think I would incorporate that. And then I would be forever um, changing things. I would do different setups and try different cymbals, different snare drums, and so on and so forth. So... It was all a learning, a learning curve, massive learning curve. I mean, and it set me on my life for the rest of my life. I and mean, I still play now and I never give up because uh, you, you just never can give up. It's, you know, like the old comedians would say, and any artist, any film artist, they just don't ever want to give up. I've got, um, just bought myself a new kit only this last week. It's an electronic kit. And um, I never thought I'd hear myself say that, but I've got an electronic kit. It's for reasons because of where I live and who I play with, yeah. so that's another little story. It's not that you're wrong It's just that I'm right I don't want to be tied down every day and every night Now I've got an indication I'll hold out against sensation I know that if I really try 
Odyssey and Oracle. She had a very special batch of songs, but it felt like the music industry, other than I think maybe Kenny Everett, were not as supportive of you as they should have been. I think you're right. I think um, perhaps because we were a little to the left of what was going on, I don't think too many people saw it overly much. Kenny Everett was certainly one who became a huge fan and played us all the time. And, you know, there were a few others, can't remember now, but um, so it wasn't easy to be heard out there, as it were. And I mean, yes, the radio played songs, but they didn't play us an awful lot. And I think that's probably why after She's Not There and then Tell Her No and then still some great recordings, as you just said, they started, I don't know, just becoming less and less interested for people. So it faded away, sadly. But who who was to know that fading away then, it was to fade back big time in these, these last 10, 20 years. Hello, zombies. Hello, Hello. Oh, hang on, I'll turn your microphone on. There you go, say it oh. again. Hello, Hello again. again. <laughs> That's better. I hear you've all split up then. Yeah. Nasty. Why? <laughs> well, you know, we've been uh, slogging away for three and a half years, yeah. and uh, we got a new record uh, deal, you know, a little while ago when we were producing all our own records and things, and mm-hmm. we thought uh, we'd give this a go. And in fact, we've produced an LP, you know, which is coming out soon and done all the cover and everything on it. Yeah. And um, this hasn't, you know, the last record was from the LP and nothing yeah. happened to it. So, uh, How long has the LP been out? No, it's out on, on the 19th, in actual fact. Well, wouldn't it be better to wait until the LP is maybe a huge success and then decide whether to go? Well, if the LP is a huge success, then oh, maybe we'll <laughs> come back again. Come back in again, okay. <laughs> Oh well, here's the single, folks. Bye bye bye, keep them in. We can't afford to lose lovely groups, you know. Oh, those fingers. Fingers of Rod Argent there. Hello, Rodney. Hello, Kenny. Well, what are you going to do now? You're just going to go into bakery or brick building or something? Well, no, actually, we've got um, plans for, you know, for another group. Yeah. Well, I have anyway, you know. Well, you're going to form a group? Because... Yeah, from other musicians working around at the moment. And, uh, in a couple of months, this should be you know, going. <laughs> and you're still going to stay bubbling in the business? Oh, yeah. With Chris and myself are going to record producing yeah. as well. You know, and writing. Oh, and writing. Wonderful. Everything's happening. Yes, isn't it, Josh? <laughs> okay, well, come back again when you're fantastically successful and then I can appear on your show, okay? Okay, okay Kenny. Bye-bye. 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 There you go, that's the zombies, good old zombies, ta-ra. And they've gone walking out here at a front door. That was their new record, and it's called Time of the Season by the Zombs. Okay. Oh. You can't beat the zombies, kids. That's from their new LP, which is the album of the century on the Kenny Everett show, which is lasting another hour and a half, so short century. And now, live in the studio! I'd play you a big round of applause. We haven't got it queued up and I've got all the machines working and oh, my fingers are all worn to the bone anyway, so pretend you've just heard a rousing round of applause. The zombies! Hello, fellas. Hello. <laughs> well, we had you here a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't really ask you the questions that um, I wanted to because I was rushed and oh, cartridges and records and all that business. It sort of... Radio does your head in, doesn't it? Anyway, um, what I really wanted to ask you is, is, has anybody snapped you up to produce records? Well, a few companies have been interested. We've got our <laughs> snap. We've got a few things going for ourselves yet, but it'll take about six months to get going. Probably. Yes. Yes. Oh dear, six months without zombies. It's a good job you produced an album. Uh, how long did it take you to do this thing, by the way, which you're just going to play all of in a minute? Well, it it took six months. What we did was uh, we had about three songs, and uh, we decided to take six months off. Yeah. And um, write 
while we were doing the album, you know. So it was a complete sort of um, production within. We were writing it, arranging it, producing it, singing it during the whole six months, you know. And what is that you're wearing? <laughs> oh, this is my this my, is my sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like an, a, a large rat, folks. But mm, they're coming back in this year. You ready to sing me a jingle? Yes. yes. <laughs> Have a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Very wonderful, yes. Uh, it's singing out of tune coming back in as well. <laughs> well, here's a track from their album, kids. Album of the Century, Odyssey and Oracle, available in your local shops. And this will be our year Took a long time to Don't forget Odyssey and Oracle, 376 or whatever it costs in your local shop. Buy it today. Actually, I should have played this before I played the record. And now from our featured album of the century, we reckon that this is one of the best tracks. Anything finally to say before the show folds up and disappears? Oh, we're very sorry it's holding up and disappearing. <laughs> very sorry about that. Can you hold back to tears long enough to <laughs> sing me a good... Oh, you just sung me a good bar. <laughs> Forget it. Odyssey and Oracle is clearly on most people's top five albums of all time. And right. Great songs, especially by Chris White as well. And, oh, and then there's absolutely. Rod as well and Carousel 44, Friends of Mine. Again, the drums propelling those tracks. What are your memories of being in Abbey Road? Because I think there are stories of Beatles instruments going around. Or was it all your own stuff? It was indeed all my own stuff. I was lucky that when we won that competition, which started us off those few years back before Odyssey, they decided that with the prize money, can't remember how much it was now, but today it was quite a lot of money. And they decided that we think the best thing to do is to get a nice new professional drum kit. So, Hugh, go and buy yourself a professional drum kit. And I did. I went down Shaftesbury Avenue to Drum City or World. And I thought, I'll buy this Ludwig kit. If it's good enough for uh, dear old Ringo, it'll be really good enough for me. And I had that kit for years and years and years after that. And I played it until my dear mum passed away. This is going back 30 or years ago more. And uh, I thought in her sort of honour and memory, I would completely update and got a, a brand new kit. But having said that, I still have the original snare drum. I still have the original cymbals that on all those records and all the gigs we ever played. And uh, the snare drum itself is now sitting prettily in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. And uh, so I'm very, very proud of that. I was lucky enough to, we did a, an honorary gig for Dear Paul, who is, as you know, no longer with us. Yeah. And this is going back quite a few years ago. And we went to um, San Francisco to the House of Blues. And we did a, an honorary gig for him, and he was there, and he played it. It was pretty much the last thing he ever did. And I took that snare with me, obviously, because I wanted to play it on stage. And I thought at that moment, hmm, maybe better idea if I have all of us sign it, including Paul. And that's exactly what I did. And I could not play it ever again because, obviously, the sticks would have worn off the, 
So, so I shrink-wrapped it, and that's where it is now, in Cleveland. When we're all in a crowd And you catch your eye And then you both smile at the same side And when I'm with her She talks about you The things that you say The things that you do It feels so good to know two people So in love, so in love They are friends of mine Odyssey and Oracle, you'd split after that release, and it took a while before it really took off on the States. It did. You're quite right. They released several singles. I think they released Butcher's Tale at one point, which was probably not the best choice for um, <laughs> to put out as a single off the album. But Al Cooper got involved. You'll know and remember his name. He introduced us at the Shepherds yeah. of Empire that time way back. And um, he'd come over to London, and he'd bought himself a big pile of records and took them back. And he presented them to CBS. And the head of CBS at the time said, well, actually, we own this record. He said, well, you've got to put it out. And uh, he said, the single you have to put out is Time of the Season. And it sort of, (laughs) it crept out, as it were. And it became a well-played record in a town called Boise in Idaho in America, the DJ there. And I've I've since seen him. He's in the documentary, as it happens. and. he started playing it and it gradually, gradually, gradually gathered momentum till it started spreading to the radio stations surrounding and further and further until, as we know, it went to number one eventually, by which time, as you quite rightly said, we had indeed um, split up and it was decided I-, I wanted to carry on. And I think Colin would have quite liked to have carried on. In other words, to weather the storm a little bit and, um, and see what would have happened. But Rod, you know, had his mindset on something new. I mean, I don't know whether you call it heavy metal, but not so much heavy metal, but heavy progressive type rock was in. And I think he was influenced by that. And he got some guys around him. It's his uh, cousin, dear, the late Jim Rodford, who played with Argent and, of course, played with the Zombies in their 
what we now call the, the current touring situation. So yeah, it was um, it was uh, yeah funny funny times. It's the time of the season when love runs high. In this time, give it to me easy and let me try with pleasured hands. Take you in the sun to promised lands To show you everyone It's the time of the season for love What's your name? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? Has he taken any time to show you what you need to live? Tell it to me slowly, tell you why I really want to know. some material that you were on with James I think this was pre-Argent or certainly that very early period so some of those demos that have got released and some of them are great there's uh, Rod's Unhappy Girl Chris's uh, Mr Galileo which I, yeah. I love and you were on that material weren't you? Um, I was on a lot of stuff I think it's quite interesting if you 
check out Chris's um, Chris White experience yeah. situation. The demos. He's found, found I don't know where, <laughs> up in lofts, down in cellars, and it was on like cassettes and things. And him and his sons have reworked, remastered, and remixed, and wherever they could. And there's there is especially in his some of the volumes one and two. I was on quite a few tracks that never got released at that time. So yeah, very proud to still be on those, and that um, people are, are now listening to them. You did uh, A&R and were involved with CBS and you shared drumming duties with Clem Cattini on the, the first Christie album. I'm a big fan of Christie and ah. some big tracks that you were on, like Country Boy, for example. Yeah. What do you remember of working with Jeff on that material and how you split things with the great Clem Cattini? I think it was more Jeff, Jeff himself, who was the um, the creator there. And I think he, because he was with CBS, Christie were with CBS, and obviously we got talking an awful lot. He said, wow, he said, well, member of the Zombies, he said, oh, that would be quite nice to get get you on one or two tracks. And um, hazy memories, I've got to be honest with you, but slightly hazy. But because I think I was in the A&R department at CBS at the time, he probably thought it might do better if I was on some of the tracks. And I was very honoured because uh, that he chose me. And I, I, I think it was him who suggested the tracks that I played on and the tracks that the right. great, I mean, the great Clementini. Yeah. 
got to say that because he, um, you know, he played on so, so many hits. He and Bobby Graham, another drummer called Bobby Graham, who played on every other of the uh, those big 60s and 70s hits. There's a, a Zombies album released just over 30 years ago, which had a few names, uh, New World, The Return of the Zombies, and there's yes. a great version of uh, originally a Prefab Sprout song called When Love Breaks Down, and I love the drums on that. Yeah, thank you. Were you playing much before then, or were you picking up the sticks for that album? Um, yes, I had. I've always played, even though when the Zombies came to an end, although it was a little while before I resumed the sticks, I thought to myself, I've got to, uh, uh, it's in my life, it's in my blood. And I can't, um, I can't just let it drift away and do nothing. And um, so, yes, I did play, as you say, on um, Christie and a few other albums that um, CBS released of various artists. So very proud of all that. Um, as time wore on, I thought, no, I've got to, um, got to go and um, start playing again. And it was at that point that I thought, well, I know what I need to do. What would be really interesting is to go back to basics and go and learn some of the rudiments right. that make up drumming, which at that point I really didn't know. For example, <laughs> when we were recording Odyssey and Oracle, I remember distinctly Rod saying, why don't you put a triplet in there or whatever, something like that, he said. 
And at that particular point, I didn't know what a triplet was. Having said that, I do know now. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I went and took some lessons off, off a lovely guy. And uh, he said, are you serious? You're the drummer of the zombies. Do you want lessons? And I said, yeah, I want to know how it is I'm playing what I'm playing. And, and he, he did. He took me right back. And it, it did. It made a huge difference to me and my playing. And then, of course, I started with um, a band. We were playing in the clubs and pubs of London. And uh, so was that, that was every weekend, two or three nights a week. And it was later on, after a certain point, that my dear lady wife, who was sat just across the room from me here right now, came and joined the band. And uh, very, 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 very slowly, love flourished. And here we are still today. Here we are in Minorca. <laughs>
we covered it at the start when we were briefly mentioning the Begin Here Festival, but just to reiterate, those 40th anniversary concerts of Odyssey and Oracle and all those wonderful songs like This Will Be Our Year. And You've heard that Cher has got a version, her version of This Will Be Our Year on a, on a new yeah. album. I mean, what a, what a thrill, dear Chris. What special moments those um, reunion concerts were involving uh, the remaining original members and also some of the current band as well. Yeah. So it's just full closure and it's a, a, such a contrast to that moment after Odyssey and Oracle was released where there was seemed to be indifference to now where you're members of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you've yeah. got Cher covering a, yeah. a key Zombies track, you've got the festival. Mm-hmm. It must be so satisfying. You could be more right that stuff still keeps, as it were, popping up. Even right now, who would have thought it? Here I am sitting in my little house in uh, in Menorca and talking to you and going over all the happy memories of all those early times, the 60s times, and then, of course, now the uh, 90s times. If you No, it's not the 90s. It would be the 20s, wouldn't it? <laughs> 2020s and 20s, so on. So absolutely wonderful that that it still keeps going. And I'm, I'm loving the idea about St Albans and that we're going to go there. Well, it's going to be six of us, four originals, and I think Tom will come up and uh, right. dear old Steve, because we're going to do that drum clinic together. I don't know whether Soren's coming over, not too sure about that, but um, yeah. there will be in St Albans where it all started, and I think we're actually, from my point of view, I think we're out and about on Sunday, because it's Remembrance Sunday, ah. the school I went to, and I was in the cadets, and uh, I joined the band, and then I started taking up the drums and found them really much to my liking and it was at that point that rod saw me picked me thinking i had the best sort of rhythm and he said do you want to join a band and i said too right yes and there you are shaped by life for the rest of my life and we'll be there on sunday and with a bit of luck maybe we'll be standing by the road as they march past and (laughs) if that doesn't bring a tear to my eye i'd be very surprised well hugh it's been an honor to talk to you and and share your memories of, of the zombies past and present and I wish you all the best with the Begin Here Festival, which is uh, next weekend. Uh, it sounds really special, just like everything associated with the zombies is. So thanks again. Well, thanks ever so much for everything you've asked and talked about and uh, jog my memory of so many happy memories. So I say thank you to you very much. Bye for now. All right. Take care. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.